Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Apaji, and I'm joined by the co-founders of Mavs Film Room, Rohan Butt and Fazal Ahmed. Obviously, we got a lot of stuff to discuss after a big day uh, for the Mavs yesterday at the trade deadline. As you're all familiar by now, they sent Kristaps Porzingis to the Washington Wizards, along with a second-round pick in exchange for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans. And then they also signed Dorian Finney-Smith to a four-year, $52 million extension. Well-deserved for him. He's no longer criminally underpaid. And I think the Mavericks made it clear yesterday that they were prioritizing future flexibility. Um, and they finally got off of Kristaps, who unfortunately did not really work out the way that they had intended for. They kind of ripped the Band-Aid off. It was an admission that it didn't work out the way that they wanted. Um, but now they're looking towards the future. They got Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, who has been bad this season, but you know he's been a better player in the past, and the hope is he can sort of rediscover his old form here in Dallas. And then Davis Bertans, who used to be one of the league's most elite shooters, uh, but <laughs> ever since signing his uh, new contract, he somehow has forgotten how to play basketball. But in theory, he's also a good fit here with the spacing that Luka Doncic provides. So... I don't know if this trade makes the Mavericks better this season. It probably makes them a little bit worse, but you know, it's it's splitting the KP problem into two smaller problems, and we'll discuss this more. But more importantly, how are you guys doing today? Um, doing pretty good. Uh, I have to show up to one of my biggest haters' funerals, so you know, just done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same. Can't complain. Um, you know, last yesterday was pretty freaking hectic because between all the trade deadline crap and then having to cram study for a midterm and cover like hundreds of slides in two hours. And the first time I saw those slides, I was like, man, I might just die today, but I'm here today. So, you know, things are good. That's probably how Nico Harrison felt when he first uh, joined the maps. But yeah, speaking of Nico Harrison, uh, let's just get right into it. I want to get your guys' takes on the trade. Uh, maybe we'll start with you, Fazel. Uh, what was your impression of uh, this pretty big trade that the Mavs made? Um, well, my gut reaction was to give this trade a C, but I don't know. I guess, I guess the results are inconclusive. I can't actually grade it yet because we got to see how these guys actually play. Um, Dinwiddie and Bertans both. Um, I think there's, I have some hope for Dinwiddie because, you know, there, there's a lot of scientific literature on the nature of all these uh, knee injuries and uh, traumatic sports injuries, long-term ones like the ACL and the Achilles. And it's suggested that's more of a two-year recovery period. You know, you can get back to playing within one year, but two seasons removed, that's when you get most or as much of your athleticism back as you're going to get. Um, so I think one of the main reasons why Dinwiddie looked atrocious this year is because he's lost some burst, but w once you get some of that back, I think he should be better. Um, he's never been safe for maybe one season in Brooklyn. He's never been particularly efficient, but he's also never really played for very many great teams either. Uh, Luca is one of the best players he's ever played with maybe the best i can't think like yeah he was he was with 
you know, KD and Kyrie, but he barely played that year. So, um, you know, I have some hope for Dinwiddie. I got to admit, I have zero hope for Bertans. I think he's like an overpaid Nico Melli, but, um, yeah, and he's wearing I, the same number that Nico Melli wore. In <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Some symbolism there. Um, but I think at the very least, though, I don't think he gives you anything aside shooting. But I do think that um, he will return to form when it comes to his three-point shot. He is an otherworldly corner shooter, which is good, obviously, in this offense that generates so many of those shots. Um, hopefully the Dallas curse doesn't apply to him and, you know, he, he craters from efficiency there, but, um, you know, otherwise, um, look at some point, I'm, I'm sure we're going to move off that contract as well. And it'll be a lot easier to move off of than Kristaps' contract. So there, there's some room for optimism. I'll say that much. Yeah. Rohan. Um, all, all I'm going to say is like, yeah, if you were looking at this trade and expecting the Mavs to get some sort of equal return, I don't know, a player with as many skills as Christoph Sporzingis, uh, I hate to say this, but I'm going to have to rip off the bandit. You were delusional. You were delusional. The contract that, I mean, the people who are saying uh, Mark Cuban sell the team because of this trade don't realize that the reason why this trade was necessary was because the Mavs gave him such an albatross of a contract to begin with. So it's bad business decisions beginning a trade that needed to be made, frankly. Um, so we're here today. <laughs> I think y'all have covered why this was at least a mitigative deal. Um, it's good. I'm glad that the Mavs are making financially <laughs> smart moves. <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> Spencer Dinwiddie was a guy I wanted here in free agency to be on the bench guard lineup. I'm sure he'll surprise a lot of people and, you know, come into his own. Davis Bertans, I'm there with you, Fazel. I don't, I don't really think that's going to move the needle very much, but it'll be good to have a, a big that can shoot the, the three a little bit. I mean, not very much anymore, <laughs> but still somewhat better than Marquise Chris, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty aligned with, uh, with Rohan there on this trade. Um, I think more for the money reasons, like I've been a proponent of trading KP for some time now. I just felt that he was the biggest impediment to the Mavs being able to significantly alter their roster. And I was worried that they'd never be able to trade him uh, unless they attach significant draft assets to that, which they don't have. Um, so in that sense, it was good that they got off of his deal. I mean, look, like Dinwiddie and Bertans are not good contracts either, but my point is that it's much easier to try and like rehab the value of a guy making 16 to 18 million dollars per year uh, in the case of Bertans he's making 16 in the case of Dinwiddie he's making 18 um, than it is to do it for someone like Kristaps who's making like 31 million and is going to be making 36 million in the final year of his contract that he's almost certainly going to opt into and so it's like you know like, like Rowan said, the, the original sin committed here was signing KP to that deal with no injury protections or insurance or anything like that. Um, and so the Mavs basically took that problem and they split it up into two smaller problems. And now these contracts are a lot more tradable, uh, especially if both players can, can somewhat recover their value here um, in Dallas. Like you could either use that trade or you could use their contracts in a trade for a star somewhere down the line, or you could further split this problem into smaller sub problems, you know, not to 
not to make this sound like dynamic programming or something, but um, <laughs> I think that's the logic you got to look at this trade with. Um, and I think like now the Mavs have a lot of contracts in that sweet spot of like, you know, 13 to $18 million. Like they just signed Dorian Finney-Smith to a deal that's going to pay him $13 million annually. Uh, they got Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract, which is around 18 annually, but it's a declining contract. So that's even better. Uh, you know, they got Dinwiddie's contract, which is 18 annually, Berton's contract, which is 16 annually. Uh, so now you have a lot of flexibility. And then you got Dwight Powell entering a contract year next year. He's at around 13 again. So these are all very movable contracts. Uh, but I agree. I think it's still way too early to really judge um, whether this was a good trade for the Mavs. Um, but I think time will tell. And I think the upside or the downside is very low. Like, Okay, sure, KP raises your ceiling, um, but the issue is his availability. I mean, he's already missed 22 games this year despite having a healthy offseason. It's like, how much longer do you want to deal with that as a team? And we saw it last night. This team is good enough with just Luka. Um, their win percentage ever since KP joined the Mavs has been the same with and without him on the floor. So you look at all that information, and I just find it hard to believe that that keeping KP on this roster long term was the right decision because if Luca has proved that that he can do it himself, and so I'm excited to see what adding another creator in Dinwiddie is going to add to this offense. Uh, we all know that this uh, the Mavs are one of the worst teams at scoring at the rim, and Spencer Dinwiddie is a player that specializes in doing that. So I'm excited in that regard. Um, and then Davis Bertans, yeah. <laughs> um, He's basically a very one-dimensional player. He's just a shooter and is being paid probably a lot more than he should be. Um, but I don't know. If he can return to the 40% shooter that he was last year with Washington or even the 39% shooter he was two years ago, um, I think the contract becomes a little bit less toxic and he becomes a productive player in your rotation. I mean, this this team needs shooters. And Bertans is a guy that, that forces the defense to you know stretch the floor uh, so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I think the on-court results are probably really what's going to uh, determine whether this is a good trade in the short term. And the Mavs' ability to use these contracts in a trade is probably what's going to determine whether this is a good trade in, in the medium to long term. I was really looking for the Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, deal. And it's it's unfortunate that that didn't happen. But uh, I will say, I Luca not having to bear the weight of a seven foot three horse with the horn on it uh last night was really really uh, I, found it, I found it funny that he went off for 50 points on the night that they traded for zingas like i i don't i think some of the tension between them two that was reported might have been a little bit overblown um and they, they seem to be getting along pretty well this year but um <laughs> it, it's hard to ignore the the humor and the irony there I think it was more because they were playing the Clippers and Luca just fucking hates the Clippers. But um, I think he, I think he did hash out his beef with KP. You know, I think that's been settled. I think yeah. he said in the post game comments, you know, that uh, that he thought he was building something special with KP, um, or that they were building something special, which probably just means the team in general. But um, you know, probably there's a little bit of motivation to say hey, you know, I got us, <laughs> like, we're going to be fine with him dropping 50 and everything. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was certainly very fun to see it. 
<laughs> yeah, I've been waiting for him to drop 50 in a game because he hadn't done that before. Uh, but yesterday was the night. It's funny, they asked him after the game if he hates the Clippers, and he's like, no, I don't. But I, I definitely think there's some some motivation there. Like, I think every time he gets Zubac on a switch, he's, like, seeing red. Like, he's, like, looking to score. Because the thing with Luka is, like, he could have easily gone for, like, 60 last night. Um, but we often see from Luka that he's not, like, a, you know, he's not a score for his player. Like, he's a pass for his player. And he often is more passive um, than we'd like him to be. Uh, but yesterday, he just had that sort of, like, aggression that that i haven't really seen from him too much like it, it felt like the playoffs basically <laughs> yeah i mean he scored seven threes in the first quarter like yeah if he had made his free throws he would have set the mavs franchise record for most points in a quarter but um unfortunately he finished with 28 and the record of course is 29 that dirk set in 2009 i believe so um and then he also was two points shy from tying Dirk's uh, scoring record in a single game. So I don't think Luca was aware of those records, but it's uh, some subconscious <laughs> respect right there. <laughs> Instead, he wanted to pay homage to Boban. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the Mavs have now beaten the Clippers by 51, and Luca has given them 51. So 51 is just um, a number that's going to live in infamy in the Clippers franchise forever. <laughs> <laughs> Solid I think we pretty much touched upon most of it like this this deal again is is mostly about the future um like I said it, it's very clear that the Mavs are going to be tinkering with this roster a lot more going forward going into the summer I think Tim Hardaway Jr. is is a pretty major candidate to be traded um you know when, when the deal was first announced yesterday I think Shams was the one who tweeted it and he just said the Wizards are trading Spencer Dinwiddie to the Mavericks um, and I thought that the Mavs were going to send Tim Hardaway Jr. in the trade, but later we found out uh, that it was Kristaps that they were sending. So that was very shocking because I didn't think that the Mavs could trade Kristaps or would trade him. I thought that they would keep him on the roster and explore doing it in the summer. Um, so that was really surprising to me. But um, if anything, I think this trade signals that this front office is operating differently because it was a very marked departure from the you know, the whole continuity and we're not going to make a trade just for the sake of doing it um, mindset or philosophy that the previous front office operated with. Like, this move was very much like a lateral trade. Um, and there's no guarantee that it works. There's no guarantee that shuffling things up uh, like this is going to pay off. But the Mavs felt that they, they had to do it. Um, and I don't think that if Donnie Nelson was the GM that they would have done it. So, uh, for better or for worse, I think Nico Harrison is operating with some more autonomy than we've seen uh, Mavs GMs uh, operate with in the past. Good point. I would say a side note. Uh, I've seen a lot of people complaining that the Mavs gave up a pick. And I'm just going to say it was a second round pick. It's I a don't know. Pick. Like, come on, I mean, guys. maybe other than Jalen Brunson, the Mavs picked up a guy with a second round pick that actually, like, you know, offered a significant amount to to the roster immediately when they were drafted so like that's not that's not a knock on the players it's more so the Mavs tend not to get great things out of their later picks in the draft so <laughs> i'm entirely fine with trading a second round pick to split an albatross contract yeah plus um you know i was a little peeved at that but apparently you know first off it's only a second round pick that shouldn't hold up the deal 
And then secondly, um, I saw someone report that there's protections on the pick as well. So it's just like, okay, at that point, who really cares? Yeah, I mean, it's a second round pick. Look, like, I, I'm i not going to sit here and split hairs over a pick. Like, a lot of people are saying, like, you know, I can't believe the the Wizards got off of Bertans and, and Dinwiddie without without compensating the Mavs for it. And I'm just like... Do you realize who the Mavs are trading? Like, they're not trading a, a very coveted asset themselves. Like, this was a trade of three very toxic assets between these teams. Like, all these players are, have negative values. Um, and so the Mavs just happened to find a team that was willing to take, you know, their most toxic asset. And the Wizards found a team that was willing to take their most toxic assets. And they made a deal, you know? Like... The Wizards are not geniuses here. They didn't. They didn't fleece the Mavs, and the Mavs didn't get. You know, didn't settle for anything less than they could have gotten. The fact of the matter is, KP's trade value was in the gutter. I don't just because he's played well this year doesn't you know take away from the fact that he's missed 22 games this year. Like we all know that the problem with KP is not his talent. We've seen it before. We've seen him be a positive player for this team on both offense and defense. The issue is his availability, and that's what's tanked his value each of the last three seasons. Um, and so for the longest time, it was like, okay, the Mavs' most meaningful path to improvement is KP playing up to the star potential that the Mavs envisioned for him, which obviously won't, wasn't going to happen given that he was in and out of the lineup so frequently. And also, like, when he played, he was a bit inconsistent. Um, but for the most part, you know, we saw, we saw the vision sometimes. But it was very clear that this team was built with him being a superstar player in mind. And he was never going to be that for the sole reason that he couldn't create his own offense. He needed to be set up. And in this day and age in the NBA, I think shot creation is the most valuable skill set. And all those factors considered is why the Mavs did this trade. Uh, but for those thinking that the Mavs could have gotten better draft compensation, I got news for you because the Mavs are lucky that they didn't have to send a first round pick out to trade KP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. <laughs> um this one is not a joke guys i just want to say the mavs play the wizards on april 1st will kp even play that game is the question <laughs> i mean look i think some people were being a little bit harsh on on kp <laughs> i saw i saw someone tweet yesterday like i've bought tickets to six mavs games this year and every single one of them he's been out <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like damn but that just sums it up man like i i've had that experience too like i'll buy tickets to a game and then like a few hours before the game it'll be like Kristaps porzingis is gonna miss tonight's game I'm like come on like i want i just want to see this guy play because i've never seen him play in person and it's just like i don't know i look man I like the guy. Um, I hope he plays well in Washington, but I can't tell you how like relieved I am to not have to deal with the headache of wondering if he's going to play or not. It was just exhausting, and I'm sure you guys also agree with that too. Well, I don't know the yeah. last time we played Jay, but I know that we both definitely got to see him in the playoffs last year, right? Yeah, we did. And, and obviously he wasn't super effective in the playoffs. I mean, his role was was pretty limited too, but... Um, again, I just think that the way the playoffs went um, with with him playing the role that he did just shows that this team is good enough with Luca as like the the main guy. And if you can surround him with with high level creators like Spencer Dinwiddie and and hopefully other guys that go out and acquire, um, 
you could still be a very good team. Yep. So did you guys actually catch the uh, conference, post-game press conference with Nico? Because I thought it was very um, – Obviously, we don't get to hear him speak much because, you know, he's the GM. Why would he be having a press conference often? But just to hear him actually speak was very, very interesting because it is such a tonal shift compared to uh, what you typically hear from, you know, Donnie, Mark, the rest of them from the old regime. Um, And even so, obviously, today, Cubans, he, you know, he kind of has to talk, be a little secretive, which... I, it's a little annoying, but I, I get it, you know, um, but Nico is completely different, man. He's just like a breath of fresh air. He is so, he's so, um, unfiltered that I'm like, I was wondering to myself when I was in the press conference, I was like, dude, are they going to like pull out a cane and whisk him away? Because the way he was talking about all these guys, I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> I, I like Nico. Um, I think like when he first came to, to Dallas, like because he was new to the role, he was not a great like uh, public speaker, but I feel like he's improved a lot, like in terms of the way he communicates things um, and communicates his thoughts. And, and like, yeah, like you said, it was a breath of fresh air. Like I rewatched the, the post-game press conference uh, later in the night. Um, and I just thought, you know, him explaining his thought process for trading KP and what he felt that they were getting uh, in Dinwiddie and Bertans uh, were really good. Like I, I, I liked how he talked about Bertans' defense uh, because I think he sort of, you know, admitted that Bertans was not a good defender while also, like, putting a positive spin on it. He was like, you know, if you look at Bertans, like, he knows how to play defense, like, he knows how to move. And I was like, okay, so th- it shows that, you know, that he's been scouting and watching these guys um, and really put a lot of thought uh, into the way that he uh, he communicated, you know, the rationale for the trade. And, yeah, like you said, I learned a lot more from that press conference than I think I have um, from any Donnie Nelson press conference. Shots fired. <laughs> uh, can I also have another side note? Uh, yesterday, I don't know if y'all saw this, but Horalabos Vulgaris tweeted that he went on the Reddit and he's like, once some of these people are unhinged and doomed like, with the Donnie Nelson link. And I just want to say, because when that happened, I was definitely doing the whole conspiracy theory thing on the show. I was a hundred percent kidding guys. <laughs> like, yeah, who cares? No, I think um, it's, it's like a, con- it is a conspiracy theory. Like a lot of people believe that, that Bob like hired someone to make that video and, and post it on, on Reddit. But I don't know, man. That 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 was so long ago now. Like, I don't really think about the whole Bob thing anymore. I, mean, I just find it the, funny that he like watches the Mavs so regularly. It's kind of cute, honestly. <laughs> he gives good commentary. You can't be mad at him. Yeah, he does actually. Uh, and it's funny how big of like a Luca fan he is. Like yesterday, he tweeted during the game. He's like, "I'm not sure this guy wants like another one A or co-star." And I'm like, "Interesting." I, <laughs> Yeah, I think Bob really not, believe it. I agreed with that take. Because I don't think the problem is that he had a co-star. I think the issue is KP yeah, was... Yeah, exactly. And, and, and Bob did have another tweet about that too, where he was like... he Something about how he implied that KP was like, you know, he wanted the offense to run through him in the post. And, and obviously that playing style doesn't, you know, fit with Luca. So um, I think Bob was clearly a fan of, of the trade, at least from the fact that they, they, got, they got off of a bad fit with Luca. Well, yeah, it was a really um, eventful day for the Mavs yesterday, but I think um, 
I feel more hopeful about the future now. I know a lot of people don't, but I, I truly think that when the dust settles and when we see Dinwiddie and Bertans play here, uh, people will realize like this wasn't as crazy of a move as some might think. And I think Dinwiddie's skill set in particular is going to be very welcome here. Um, and if Luca continues to play the best basketball of his life, I mean, like, who knows? Um, rim protection, again, is going to be uh, something that the Mavs are going to struggle with. But, you know, they, they play good team defense. So I think um, it's, it's worth... Um, it's it's worth worth the risk, I guess. Um, I'm not sure Dragic comes to Dallas anymore. There doesn't seem to be a place for him in the rotation, but um, I suppose we'll monitor that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I want to interrupt because I just went on the Reddit, um, and there's a fan fiction leaked transcript of the KP trade negotiation. <laughs> what? I haven't been on Mavs if Reddit. You know, I, I love it so much. I, I need to go on on Mavs Reddit. It's been a minute, but I'll probably let the the trade fury cool down and then and then go on there. It never cools down. I'm going to be honest. Um, myself and the other mods on <laughs> Reddit constantly look at it and be like, you know, the dog in the burning building. It's yeah. basically it's like we have no idea what to do anymore. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. We we understand how to, how to use our moderation tools and power guys. <laughs> We're not. All right. Well, on that note, enter Mavs Reddit at your own risk. But while you're debating that risk, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mavs Film Room. We're a much less toxic forum. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Mavs Film Room, although we don't really post on there that much. Um, you know, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for all your support, as always. And we will be back soon with another episode. Thanks, Rohan and Fazel. This was fun, and we'll see you soon.